Hey good people, this is your N.I. Dom back with another reflection. And this is a personal journal for contemplative people looking to think, grow, and have impact in the world. So hey, the rubber band. <laughs> the rubber band, we're going to do it this time. We really, really are. This is the third attempt. We're going to do it. In the first attempt, um, and let me just say this, the rubber band is about me in the social world. And it's about me being stretched to a limit in the social world. It's about being stretched to a limit in the social world. And um, before I could do that, I had to talk about the social world. And that's how you got the episode called The Sale. I give a model of how I see how I see the social world and all of this, the different facets of the social world and how that those facets interact with each other. And then when I came back this morning, as I, I released an episode released an episode this morning um, entitled Wellness, and I wonder if I have two episodes now with the wellness um, title, but I released two episodes on um, wellness. Excuse me. I released an episode this morning on wellness. But I was trying to talk about the rubber band and I fell into a rabbit hole about self-actualization. And that self-actualization made me confront my work around wellness. Um, and that's internal work. And that's me. So in this really weird way, even though I've been trying to talk about the rubber band, I'm more than likely the, the setup to that really required some context, the outer world and the inner world. But um, I think this is going to be a good one for those of you, particularly those of you who are um, into the Enneagram, because I'm going to lean into those um, instincts a little bit, those those. Uh, those survival instincts in the Enneagram, social self-preservation and sexual instincts. Um, I think, but I don't know. Um, and I definitely think if you're um, an intuitive, <laughs> that would this is going to be good for you too in the Myers-Briggs system because um, I think there's some intuiting uh, work that gets complicated. Um, for me in the social world. There's some intuitive, there are some complications related to intuition. There are some challenges that the intuit, okay, last time. There are some challenges that the intuitive me brings into trying to interact in the social world. It's just very difficult. So we'll see. I'm stumbling here with my words, but hopefully you'll get it. So hopefully we'll see. We'll see. Maybe I'll fall into another rabbit, rabbit hole, but crossing your fingers that I don't. Hey, if you're new to this project, this is a personal journal where I process my inner and my outer worlds. I do so by using personality theory. The two theories that I use the most are the Myers-Briggs and the Enneagram. Pushing those two systems together, I identify as an INTJ8. Also, I identify as an African-American woman from a lower socioeconomic background and from intergenerational trauma. I'm a trained and practicing educator and social scientist. Of about 30 years, half of that time has been in leadership. 
um, politically I lean into, <laughs> politically I lean into tenets of critical race feminism, which basically means I have an intellectual sensitivity uh, for around social constructs of power, such as race, class, gender, sexuality, to name a few. This project is unedited and is unscripted. To know more about it or me, feel free. Feel free. Goodness gracious, feel free to go to my website at yournidom.wordpress.com. All right, because um, I have a 9.30 business meeting I'm, for me trying to get back into entrepreneurship. And so I'm not just talking about the work. I'm, 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 I'm about the work. I really am. I don't just talk. About, I don't just have breakthroughs in its reflection. I really, really apply them. I'm about application and movement and progress. I really, really am. Now, even if I loop, you know, if I have to circle back or if I stay in a learning curve a while, know that I am making movement. And so I just did a meta reflection about the struggle. Um, I did an episode back in August about the struggle that was in three struggles. And then I've been in three struggles this season. And I'm like, yo, what is that? Am I just like just staying in this place of struggle? And I think I'm growing. I'm and I think my commitment to growth and wellness, excuse me, as I talked about in the previous reflection, I think it's a struggle. I think, I think it's a struggle. And so, um, I, I, I think the work is a struggle. I think it's, I think that there are barriers for whatever reason. I think life is not easy. Especially when you're trying to have a meaningful life, live it in a way that's meaningful. And I was going to say honorable, but I think meaningful is a better word. And you really are trying to self-actualize and you're trying to grow. I think we live in a society that has a number of barriers for people like us who want to grow and have an impact in the world. And that's not what this reflection is about, so I don't want to fall into a rabbit hole. But it's been a struggle. So anyway, I just say that um, it is a struggle. I think the struggle is captured in, in this podcast because I'm really talking about processing my inner and my outer world as I move through the world and as I try to actualize, you know, um, as I try to be the best version of myself. I am processing the, the, the journey and that is a struggle and I just gonna think a little more about what makes it a struggle like is the struggle resistance or is the struggle me not embracing resistance you know what I mean so I don't know but that's I will not fall into a rabbit hole so so yeah so the rubber band is about me um being stretched <laughs> in the social world until I hit a limit and and then what happens when that stretching happens? So I think the idea of the struggle and this uh, um, is a, is relevant for this discussion. But I want to talk more about the stretching and um, and then what happens when when I I don't want to say snap, but when it pops, when I've reached the end of the stretching. And I return back to my original place. It's a really interesting metaphor to use because I don't want to say snap, right? But it pops. It pops back. 
So there were two situations that happened where the rubber band metaphor, it came up. So the first one, and I'm not proud of this, but I try to be honest in this project. I went to go get my nails done. That's just been something I've been doing the last two years. I always, I do like nails, but um, anyway, I'm not going to fall into a rabbit hole. It does feel a little, but it is a little more girly than I have allowed, embraced in myself. So... I would say about 10 years ago, maybe maybe longer, I realized I'm just not a girly girl. And duh, anybody who can look at me would know that. But I was raised by a girly girl. My mama is the ultimate girly girl. My sister's got a lot of girly girl in her, but she's not ultimate girly girl. And so being in the household with all that, I was always like, like, like putting pressure on myself to be more of that. But not a lot of pressure to do it. But just like that was just like the model for me. And um, and so I just you know, I just relaxed. It never was working anyway. So I well, let me put it this way. What I ended up doing was finding my version of girly, if you will. And or and my version of girl, if you will. And um, but I always had that pressure in the backdrop like. You should be doing more. You really should be doing more. And about 15 years ago, I was like, I embraced it. So I actually went through a long time without even doing my nails. Because I th- then I'm like, recently, I'm like, but I do like nails. And I, anyway, so, yeah. And it's so interesting because I, I do enjoy my feminine energy. But I define it. You know, it's the feminine. It's my energy. There's a feminine energy that I have. I enjoy it. I was watching. That's pretty goodness. I don't know what the hell is happening, but I was watching this show. Uh, uh-uh, I was, I was reading something, and they were talking about a woman. It was a um a woman losing her femininity because she challenged a man. It was a play from a a. Uh, it's a play, Shakespeare, and there's a quote. Somebody told me this quote. I went and looked the quote up. And anyway, in reading about the quote, somebody done the analysis that this woman was challenging her husband and she was losing her femininity because she was challenging her husband. I'm like, what? Who defines femininity like that? But whatever. Okay. All right. So anyway, I went to get my nails done. And uh, I've been getting my nails done this particular way for about two years. And this is just like hair. You know, everybody has their own way of doing things stylistically. And this is why I really appreciate having one person. Because once I get to know your style, I'm fine with it. And I'm a person that likes to learn the process too. So when I'm watching them do my nails, I'm, I study it. I learn it. Right? And so when I go somewhere else and they use a different process, I notice it. And a lot of times I'll talk. I'll ask the question, and then most people, unfortunately, this is annoying to me, will go, um, well, this is the way it's supposed to be done. And I just can't stand when a person says that, which you should say, this is the way I like to do it, but there's this condescending way of, like, you're going to educate me. No, this is the way it's supposed to be done. I'm going to tell you that I cannot tell you how annoying that is. Because it's just not true. So anyway, 
the way the nails are done, um, there's an overlay on top of it. You're supposed to soak them. And you're supposed to soak them off. You're supposed to soak off the overlay. Then you have some people who will do a, they'll do a light drill to start the process. To break up the material that's on it. Now my nails are underneath there. But it is an overlay. A protective to keep the, the polish on. So I don't have to. And actually I only go once a month now. This is why I love this. Because I get to have the pretty nails. And I don't have. And my nails are more powerful than they are pretty. But nonetheless, whatever. <laughs> um, I don't have to go to the shops. I only have to go once a month. I love it. It's the win-win. So some people will, you're supposed to soak them off to keep the, the natural nail protected. Some people will jumpstart the process by drilling it. Well, what I loved about this place I went to is that there are other... I didn't really like them using a drill to start the process of breaking it down. She had me soak them off. Now, it's a long time. It takes a long time for it to soak. Well, because I get my feet done, a good portion of that, if you soak them, I can have my nails being soaked in the solution anyway, while my feet are getting done. Well, she takes it upon herself to, to start drilling. She's going to just tr- do the whole, drill all of it off. I don't, and so that was problematic. And so one of the, this is me in the social world, right? So this is me. I, I'm trying to balance self, when to speak up and when to speak up when to confront or when to walk away. I'm trying to learn that about myself, not based on someone else's standards, but based on my own standards, because I'm also realizing, I'm just learning more about the human experience. <laughs> and I'm, I don't hold the human experience in as high regard as I did before. And so I'm like, people just, they don't know any better. They don't know any better. So what are you going to do? You, you, you're going to walk away from everybody. Because I walk, I don't tolerate a lot of, I'm like my dad, I don't tolerate a lot of foolishness, a lot of nonsense. So I walk away. Well, me walking away then means there's a lot of solitude. I don't have a, I don't have that belonging. I don't have the people around me. And so I haven't found the right balance for me between walking away and staying so I don't know I was just coming up to fight fight flight or freeze and so that episode about wellness and a lot of that is thrown off for me because I come from trauma and so I don't have not been I've not been socialized to know what's the appropriate response to people honestly Honestly, I don't have that. So, so this is not trauma, obviously. Well, it was, okay, there was a part of it was trauma, but because I'm comfortable confronting, and I think this is part of my recovery too, I, um, as an eight, I think that's why the Enneagram really came in a, a place of right, the right time for me and my recovery because 
I have unfortunately learned that confronting as a woman is bad. Men don't usually get challenged for confronting. They they get celebrated for confronting. They, um, oh my gosh, I'm having some breakthroughs right now. They get celebrated for confronting. They get um, rewarded for for uh, confronting. They're expected to confront. So I don't just confront for the sake of confronting. All I confront, obviously, for the, most of the time, I'm confronting for justice or for power imbalance. Like when power is or something is just not right, I confront it. And the world has been giving me messages as an adult woman that that confronting is problematic. And so this is why I tested. This is seriously why I tested between eight, five, and one. Because um, either I was going to withdraw from the world, that's the five, and I, and eight, in the Enneagram, the eights digress or, or re- digress into the five. Sometimes that's good. So it's not all bad, but they go back into the five and that, that five withdraws, right? But, um, I don't do, I didn't always do that. I don't always withdraw. And so then what happens is now that I'm confronting and now the world has told me that it's bad, I'm now am trying to, to monitor myself. And I think that's where, and so you get the one, you get the one in me where it looks like I'm trying to make sure I follow a standard or confront. I confront, I'm following these standards and these principles. I'm making sure I'm, I'm within my right to confront. I think there are some other reasons why I show up as a one. But, you know, I think it all relates to being told that the way I show up in my authentic self is problematic. Because I've been problematized. And that comes from familial trauma. And it comes from the trauma of racism and sexism in the world. And classism. Right? Because that's all... Anytime you deny people access to resources, that's traumatic, Okay. In, in, but I'm not talking about capital T. I'm talking about lowercase t. But it's all the same. It, 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 the brain responds to it all the same. Okay. So I haven't been... So I went through a phase where I withdrew or I wasn't confronting. Those are all different stages for me. Well, I would say last three years uh, when I got uh, acclimated to the Enneagram and I just... It was a real point of healing for me because I realized as an eight, that's my nature. Now I'm, I aspire to be a healthy eight. And so as a, so I have to monitor what I'm confronting, right? Am I confronting just to dominate people? Am I, you know what I mean? To be, to power over them. That's just not me. But I, one of the eights, biggest fears you know every of those um each of those numbers have a core fear i love the enneagram for this you guys because it's not about your it's going to be it's going to show you your uglies i say it all the time it's going to show you your uglies and for the eight the basic fear is being harmed this is all connected this is all connected so i do believe and and they'll tell you the enneagram hasn't the enneagram is about some inherent qualities that you were born into that you had uh, when you were born into the world, and then 
how the world social, what you experience in the world in the in your childhood years, right? So there's so much I'd love to like. I want to study more about that inherent part of us. I really want to learn more. I, I need some theories that explain that outside of religion, uh, and I haven't found that yet. But anyway, so, um, so yeah, when I got when I finally finally embraced the Enneagram because at first I rejected it because the Enneagram was showing me ugly things that they were the Enneagram was showing me blemishes about myself the uglies and I didn't like it and I was just already going through I didn't need anything else to tell me how bad I was I just couldn't handle it and then as I started healing I got ready I was like okay I'm ready I'm ready to find out the next the next step for me so I um So yeah, I've raised it. So anyway, my, I'm distracted. My 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 mind is connecting some dots. So bear with me. So um so the enneagram showed me that I'm an eight, so I'm an eight and I'm now understanding what that means. And when my dad died, I saw the unhealthy eight. I saw what I was re- I I was reminded that there was a time that there was an unhealthy. Uh, part of me, which is going to look different because I'm an introvert. So an unhealthy introvert eight looks different from an unhealthy extrovert eight. So I think that's the variance. There's healthiness and unhealthiness or range. So the Enneagram, it will show you, which I think this is a weird framing, but unhealthy, average, and healthy. Like what does average mean when you put that in between healthy and unhealthy? Is the average person a combination of both healthy and unhealthy? Okay, whatever. So that's the range in the Enneagram. Unhealthy, healthy, unhealthy, health, unhealthy, average, healthy. And so that's the one variance for, for the eights, in addition to the subtypes and the wings and the tri- whatever. But the other piece for me is that um, I'm an introvert. And I think I think introvert eights oftentimes are associated with ENTJs and ESTJs uh, because it's extroverted, it's that extroverted thinking. But it's not just that. It's just that my ticker for confronting is probably slower than a, uh, an extroverted thing. Um, so my tertiary TE, because it doesn't sit at the top, is secondary. My ticker to confront is longer, right? It's longer for me to, to feel the need to confront because I'm going to be first observing the thing. Observing it, understanding it, <laughs> probably analyzing it, connecting it, making what is that, you know, and, 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 and then, and so, and then I'll confront. Okay. And that's not the only thing about the eight, but the eight is a challenger and the eight is a protector, right? And that's just, it is what it is. It is what it is. And I'm just so, I'm so grateful for this project to have a place to come and process this because when I first brought, when I started this project in 2020, I was on, I wasn't sold on being an eight. I was like, I think I'm an eight, but I know I'm also tested as a five and a one. And, you know, and I, and I did the work to kind of juxtapose myself with what's the difference between an eight and a five. What's the difference between an eight and one. And I did those episodes they are sloppy and horrible to listen to. So I'm not going to ask you to go back to that. 
And then yesterday I was tweeting some articles about the difference between those numbers and some other numbers in the Enneagram system. And so I can say without a doubt, I, it is awesome to see like, oh, I'm so eight. I understand why the one shows up for me. I understand it. And so that isn't that, that one is probably one I need to come back to. And what I talked about almost three years ago is that um, that one shows up for me because I'm trying to sanitize my eightness, trying to clean it up, right? That is one of the reasons why I show up as a one because I'm trying to show up as a sanitized eight, trying to be an appropriate eight. But the other reason why, because if I were truly a raw, like, a real, real formal eight, it wouldn't, I wouldn't be trying to sanitize myself. The sanitation comes from having, coming from a family, particularly a mother, but it's not just her. I think she's the product of this too. That's constantly trying to pre- present out as appropriate. Trying to present out as appropriate, trying to present out as healthy, trying to present out as good. And I come from an industry that promotes purity culture because your first teachers were nuns. (laughs) Like they were, they were, it was connected to the church. So, um, not just say they were nuns, but they were, they were of a religious persuasion. So you have my, my family trauma stuff that one of the ways that my family reacts to trauma is by projecting out goodness being good, projecting it, um, proving it. It's all about, it's all about the public's perception of good. It's all about that. That's a, and I've never really, really, I've said it, but I've never broken it down. I would bet my last, I would go toe to toe to make that point. So, so that's how my family has collectively responded to um, the, uh, the trauma in our, the intergenerational trauma in our family. And I was raised in that where all the values and the norms were associated with that. And then, um, I then go into a, an industry of occupation where, you know, you, you gotta be regulated. Um, you, <laughs> you just gotta be regulated. I can tell you some things that I did. Like, if I, one day I'm going to be bold enough to tell you some of the eight things I did before I was regulated. And again, I was, I'm an introvert, so it's never going to look the same. And I'm a thinker. That's the other piece. That's the other variance for me. Because as a thinker, eight, I'm not going to be governed by my body. I'm not going to be governed by my emotions, right? So I'm not, even though the eight is is more instinctive, I'm not, I'm instinctive, but I'm not reactive. Oh, that's an interesting thing to process. The difference between being instinctive and reactive. So anyway, um, um, so I did, so that was that. Um, so I think all of that, those pressures, it, it, it it's what, challenge it kind of brought out the one in me like being conscious of what's appropriate what's not appropriate it just gave me a 
a, a heightened consideration of that. But never to the point where my core eightness was ever really changed. What it did was create tension. So one of the things that when I spiral, like when I, I can get into a place where I spiral and I'll say it can look manic. Like I just, I'll perseverate. I, um, I, I loop and, and it's because I'm trying to reconcile a very innate natural part of me to what the world wants from me. And I'm not consciously understanding I'm doing it and I'm trying to get better at when I get to that place, say, wait a minute, wait a minute, give yourself permission. And and, and I, it's, this might feel artificial. And you guys, if you think this is problem, like, like if you think it's a problem, let me know. There I go, right? <laughs> I can't. It's an interesting thing. Um, anyway, forget it. I'm going to say, so, I'll, I'll, oh God, I'm like, this is good. This is all about the rubber band now. Now I'm in a rabbit hole that's related to the topic, Okay. So, um, I'll say when I get into that space, I'll think, I don't do it oftentimes. Often, if I'm going to think about one of the systems, I'll think about the INTJ first. But sometimes I'll go, what is it? Is, what about this is, what about this is being influenced because you're an eight? One of the things I wanted to do before I did this reflection, and that's how I found those articles that I tweeted yesterday about the eight and one, because I am prepared. I've always been prepared. Like if I have mistyped myself, I'm prepared to be corrected. Right. And so I go because I can see oneness in me. I can see it. So I just I spend time studying it. But when you look at the each number, so when you look at the behavior, okay, there it is. When you look at the behaviors, I have one behaviors. I have some motivations for one. Like some, mo- the, because I think I was socialized to, to believe it was good to, uh, to 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 be good and also the other piece I forgot to tell you I was raised born and raised Catholic so there you go <laughs> but when you get to those core instincts those core instincts are eight for me when I get to the core instincts for the one that they do not speak to me the behaviors I can see sometimes I on rare occasions I can see the motivation but I lose it when I get to those instincts. You guys, so if you are struggling, I don't know about how to help you differentiate yourself if you're struggling with typing yourself in the Myers-Briggs. I just tell you to go and look at those cognitive functions and look at the stack and all of that. And for me, what has helped me with the Myers-Briggs is actually to look at the bottom two functions. Look at the bottom two functions or go into that shadow because that will tell you a lot. And I guess that's the same thing. You got to drill down in that enneagram and go to those instincts. And when I say instinct, I'm talking about social self-preservation and sexual. There's only one of the uh, instincts I can identify with the one, and that's, I believe, that's the social one. And I think that, without a doubt, with the five, there's only one of the uh, instincts I can identify with the five. It's the social five. 
But with the any with the eight, even though I know in in terms of the instinctual stack, social is first for me. I can identify with the social. I can identify with self preservation, and I can I can even identify with the sexual. And the sexual is third for me, like what it says. So anyway, I think that there's this constant tension point because I was not raised to celebrate that eight part of me. Plus, my father was an aggressive man. So I was, that was another thing, like, you know, seeing so much of my relatedness in my, um, my dad, um, you guys, I know you'd be like, this woman is always having these emotional breakthroughs. Just keep in mind, I'm, I'm, menop- I'm menopausal. Like, I'm the, I get confused between this perimenopausal. When people say I'm menopausal, it, is, it doesn't matter. I'm 52. It is, it is what it is. You don't even have to be a woman to know that, okay? So, I think my, my boss, who's 53, always reminds me don't forget menopause when we talk about the emotions and don't forget it <laughs> so I'm like oh my gosh anyway um, um, I'm in my car if I didn't tell you that in this reflection so it's getting warm um, so just really struggling wrestling with that instinctual part of me that is going to confront for any kind of power imbalance um, and any kind of harm. Now, what they will say about eights that I don't do a lot. Well, I do do it. I do it in my own way. Okay. I think because a lot of the stereotypes of the eight is also connected to feelers. I don't think a lot of the literature really factors in that T. Like, what does it mean to be a thinker? You know, so I'm not going to react to things just because something hurt my feelings. I'm not even going to react when it makes me emotionally uncomfortable. I'm not going to typically do that. I'm not. Now, that's probably earlier versions of me. I would probably withdraw. Like, I ain't, I'm not going to deal with this crap. It's not worth it. I just like, whatever. Most of the time, my eightness shows up as uh, I'm going to strategize. And so revenge is one of the th- qualities of an eight it's not good though but it is true (laughs) i don't call it revenge i said we're gonna break this even we're gonna get even we're gonna level the playing field right we're gonna pop we're gonna power and level this out we're gonna level out the power right but it's revenge (laughs) it could be sometimes revenge um and i'm gonna strategize to do that that's not immediate because I always say if I strike I'm going to strike one time I'm going to strike one time if, I, if I'm going to do it 
So, but I don't live in that, you all. I don't, again, I guess it could be the my family upbringing. I think a lot of it is my occupation. And I've been thinking about going to work in a law firm. I'm like, oh my gosh, just for a year, what would it feel like to be around other people who know how to strike? Because other educators aren't like that. And so just being around educators, it's just, I do, you know, I, you guys know I'm going to move out of, um, I'm going to move, uh, move more, I shouldn't say out, forget that. I'm going to move into my, back into my business self. And um, I'm giving myself permission to have some aspect of employment into that space. You know, being, having multiple streams of income, it's fine to be employed. It's not the end of the world, uh, but it won't be my primary, primary uh, means of making money. It will not be. It's going to take time to get there, but it will not be. I'm pretty determined on that. And so as I think about, like, oh, my gosh, I'd love to experience what it's like to be around other challengers. It would be fun. It would be fun on so many levels. Makes me think about this guy I dated, and he was talking about him. He was a boss and super bad. And I said, it was the stupidest thing. It's one of the, and I've said some stupid things. This is one of the stupid, this is one of the most stupid things I've ever said in my life. And I said, I wish I was, I wish you were, I work, I wish I worked for you. And I, I was so, I was so stimulated, so charged. That's not how that man wanted me to be stimulated by him. <laughs> That's not how he wanted me to be stimulated. But I was like, ooh, I wish I worked for you and you were doing that. I would enjoy. It It would be absolutely fun to level that out. Of course, you know. And he, I remember him like squinting like I didn't explain to him why I wanted to work for him. And I don't even know if I could have explained it why I was stimulated in that moment. But he squinted like. You know, what is that about? So anyway, <laughs> I have developed a reputation of being odd in the world. Um, in my, some people higher up and they say I'm odd, strange. It is what it is. So anyway, but <laughs> it is what it is. But that was what it was. And so I'm, I'm naturally stimulated there. I'm naturally motivated. I'm, and I cannot control that. It is a natural wire. Okay. All right. Now, I just wanted to kind of make this point. I'm an eight. I'm a challenger. I will confront. I don't do it as fast as an extrovert or as fast um, as reactive as a feeler. No offense, feelers. I'm sorry if that's offensive. Feel free to let me know if, what you think about that. I I can handle it. But I'm an eight all the same. Okay. All right. Um, let's get back to the nail shop. So the nail, the lady soaks, tries to Instead of soaking off the nail, she's going to drill it. So the INTJ me is like, that's not even the right way to do it. But, and so I'm picking my battles, right? That's what I, that's kind of how I fell in that rabbit hole. You learn, I, I just learned to pick my battles because I'm not going to challenge everything. Because one of the things I learned about being a challenger is even though people are bothered, every person I've ever challenged, that's, just, that's not true. But many of the people I've challenged have come back to me and said it made them better. They grew. 
Because and then because my challenging isn't loud, it's not demonstrative, the way you would think about a challenger. Because my dad was big, you know, and so I was trying to not be that. Because when they would say, I hear my mom talking negative. Well, she didn't talk negatively about my dad. But when she she did say, you know, she later talked about him. My mother never talked about him when I was a kid. Later, she did identify him as her abuser. She didn't say that when I was a child. But I saw him as her abuser. So I didn't. I witnessed it more than my sister did. I witnessed it. My sister's body remembers it because she was there, but she was an infant. She was a baby. But I, I have memories in my brain, not just my body, about the fights. Okay. So knowing that that aggression looked translated out as fighting, I didn't want that in me. You know what I mean? I didn't want that to be me. I was afraid of that. And so there was a lot of regulating. It's a lot of regulating to like you're not gonna get me not you're not gonna get me to act a fool. And 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 I've had my share of fights as an adult. And so this is very relevant. This is a very relevant reflection. I don't like talking about it on this podcast. But I do it all the same because, first of all, it's truth telling, and it's part of it's trans it's it's part of the work. And if I'm not going to be able to talk about it, I'm then yeah, I just, I'm not I just I'm not gonna, I'm not going to lie. I won't lie to myself, and and that's what this project is for. It's for me, and you guys get to benefit from it, and however you benefit from it. So anyway, so she didn't soak it off. And then I didn't say anything. I didn't say anything this time. I've said something in the past. Today, I'm like, okay. And then the drilling started hurting. It really was hurting. So I pulled. I was like, oh, it hurts. And she laughs. And she's, and I don't understand her fully. And I don't want to. I'm going to be very. I want to be. I want to be respectful. Um. So, but I didn't understand. I don't fully understand her because she speaks a different language. I don't. I don't understand her fully. And I don't, okay, fine. Um, and so I pull my hand. I thought, oh, that hurts. And she laughs off, and then she goes. She does nothing to change it. She does nothing to change the, the her approach. And I said, and I said, I pull my hand. I just I did this two or three times. I said this no. I said I'm serious. I said this really is hurting. I'm not doing anything different than I've done any other time. That fourth time I got so loud, so firm. I should say I didn't like I got loud and firm. And I said I'm not playing with you. I pointed my finger. I was like, I'm not playing with you. I said, it hurts. Don't do it again. And I talked to her like that. I don't talk to people like that. I don't. And then I, I know I felt bad. Like an, an eight, a typical eight wouldn't feel bad. But I felt bad. That's not appropriate behavior. 
It's not appropriate. But I didn't feel bad enough to be like, I'm sorry, I didn't do that. I didn't walk out of that shop in shame. I sat there, I meant it. Don't do it again. And I had to show her a serious side because what did she do? She changed the speed of the drill and she changed the size of the drill. Why did it take me getting to that that popping, that snapping, for her to take me seriously? It was hurting. Okay. Let's talk about two nights ago. That was two weeks ago. Let's talk about two nights ago. I went out with my sister and one of her friends. And I was with two of her friends earlier. And they're just, they're not my kind of people. And that's just something I, I want to come back and do another reflection. I've had a breakthrough because of this situation. I got it. My sister and I are very, we have a lot in common, but we are very different. And that shows up in our, the people we associate with. So I'm trying to keep peace because these are my sister's people. They love my sister and my sister is out of town. She needs to have her people. I'm not getting ready to F that up for her. So they're not my, so we went out to lunch. The conversation, I was just like, I tried, I tried. It was too much small talk and it was, it was, it was small talk and it was a lot of eagle talk. A lot. Of, and I'm, I've, I got a huge, I got a healthy eagle, but I've tried to do eagle work. So that's not the central part of me. So those two things, they were the small talking was getting on my nerves and the eagle talk was just, it was annoying. So I just kind of at the table, I was just like, now, see, in the past, I would have taken, ordered an adult beverage, and I would have just been like, whatever, let's just go in myself. I'm going to go, I'm going to retreat inward as a five. <laughs> see, that's another way I know I'm not a five, because I can associate five behavior with adult beverages. That means that's not, that's not where I belong. Oh, my God, that's an interesting, I've never made that association. But, because I'm doing a fast, which I did, I did, um, uh, shift out of that that version of fast. I'm now in another version of a fast because I wanted to go out, and so I did have um, I had a beer. <laughs> so anyway, um, but but at the restaurant, I was like, I, I would have just had let me have a beer, let me have a glass of wine. I'm gonna let these people have, have this ridiculous talk. I'm not enjoying it. I'm gonna enjoy myself with some kind of adult beverage. I didn't do it. I didn't. I didn't, and I faked interest. I try all the ways that you show an interest, and in, you know, I smiled, nodded sometimes. I did that as much as I can. I didn't do it a lot because my sister was like, um, later when we post process what happened, there was something that happened. There was a snapping that happened when we post process the next day. My sister was like, "Do you ever affirm people? People need to be affirmed. Do you ever affirm them?" And um, and I said, I asked her, said, I said, can you say more about that? She's like, well, people in their ego, they. I said, I put my hand up. I said, wow, that's me. I have an ego. I like to be affirmed. So, what do you want me to do? You want me to be around your friends, and you want me to affirm them, and they don't have to affirm me, because that's what has happened. Even with her marriage, her first marriage, my sister would text me and tell me the things to to do, the things that she does to affirm these people in her life. And I'm like, yo, if that's what you, if that's what you do to keep those people around you, I'm not mad at you at all. I love the fact and you found a way to get the people around you. That doesn't work for me. 
And so what I told my sister after the fact, because she didn't know that I was put off by the, the conversation until I was telling her, I said, listen, I was already holding it in. I was already being stretched. That's the stretching of the rubber band, right? And it was, it was the, it was the small talk. It was the eagle talk. And then it was the, this is the antisocial part of me. It was talking about in ways that privilege the matrix. And I don't like to be in conversations that privilege the matrix. And what I mean by privileging the matrix is when um, the matrix, you have to go to the episode where I called them. I talked about this, the matrix, or I did one recently called the cell, right? There are aspects of the social world, values, norms, structures that reinforce particular scripts, certain assumptions, certain understandings we have in the social world. I don't like those scripts and I don't, I'm not complicit in them. Now, the older me, excuse me, the younger me would have confronted those people in the scripts. Like when they reinforce some scripts that I think are harmful. And um, I've, so like, I've learned, this is the order of my tolerance. I actually, I actually can ignore scripts on racism, believe it or not. When somebody says something that's racist or whatever, I don't even feel compelled to confront that because I'm confronting it in a different way. Then I went through a season about sexism and I still will every, I still play there because it's fun. I will confront there, but not as much as I used to. But the one area that I will not sit on anymore, I won't, and I don't know if I'll ever change, is around classism. When classic scripts come up and people even if people aren't saying anything overtly harmful if they're saying things that lend itself to classism I will confront that I will and I'll do it with a lot of joy and conviction and charge I will you know and I, and I, and I love I I just love where I'm at in the in my development because of my my schooling, I tell people I went to school a lot of time for that PhD just to get words and theories and research. And so people who are doing, deploying these scripts, one of those ways, one reason why we deploy scripts around racism, sexism, classism, heterosexism, and all of that is about um, procuring power. It's a way of feeling powerful. So people who are trying to feel powerful don't want to be confronted about that because it takes away their power. And then when you poke a power person, they're going to try to power back. But baby, I love it. I love it when I go in there and I start poking at it with class, particularly classism. Because usually I'm confronting other black people with classism. I love it. And then I confront men on sexism. I confront women on sexism too. And I just, I think with whites and racism, I don't care because I'm doing the, I do care, but I already know what it is. And, and I'm working on my own, my way of confronting racism is structural. So that's how I confront it through the structural, the INTJ part of me. It's not something I need to do orally. I'm not going to orate the confrontation. 
I'm going to structurally confront it. Okay. In my power set with the resources that I have. But so anyway, this particular, so they were, they were just talking in a way they, anyway, and this is just, I, so as a social eight, that means I do enjoy being in those, in the community. I like to be around people. But what I'm learning about myself in the last year, I'm able to name it. I like to be around people, but I don't have to intellectually engage with people. Because the intellectual piece is a disappointment. And I'm not trying to say that I'm intellectually superior. I'm not saying that at all. At all. You guys hear me in these podcasts. But what I am saying is that I, I am cerebral. I'm an intellectual. And so I need to be intellectually stimulated. And I like to talk about novel concepts concepts that require research deep knowledge right and even if I'm not the one bringing it I want to hear it I want to consider it and when I when you talk to people who talk as though they know everything they have no wonder no wonder like I wonder they have no imagination they are very firm and and resolved I don't enjoy those conversations I just intellectually don't find them stimulating and most and a lot of times I don't find them rigorous all right okay Uh, that's the truth about me I know that sounds snobby and you're probably like who do you think you are okay fine you can do that you can drag me on that but but I'm just being honest that that's my stuff so I don't tell people that I just withdraw from the conversation I don't even need to be in, I don't even try to get in a conversation so that's what was happening with uh, when hung out with my sister's friends for the day so we started off we were supposed to be going to hang out listen to some music listen to some country music because that's what I love then it turned into we we're going to have lunch so my and I'm going to tell my sister and I realized this because we talked yesterday and we were like maybe when I'm around her friends I don't need to be around them so long And that's a really good strategy because that wasn't the plan. So sitting down and having dinner with them would meant a conversation that's different from partying with people. You guys understand? So I was already stretched. That was a stretch for me to be in that conversation. It was an ego. That was, that was one stretch. A lot of ego talk. I was, I didn't say anything. Another stretch was very surface. That was a stretch for me. I didn't say anything. Then there were the, the topics were just about um, they weren't they weren't they weren't disruptive enough for me I, you know I'm they weren't about disrupting the social order and that's when I'm 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 attracted to that so that was a waste of my energy like well, I'm an anti I'm a social anti-social which and I when I say social anti-social for you all who don't know the eights eights are anti-social but because my I'm social first in the instinctual stack. I'm social then self-preservation because self-preservation eights are all, they're the most antisocial because it's all about their comfort. They're, yeah, it's all about their comfort. And I, oh, oh, I got to get going. I got to get going. Dang it. Um, so the, so anyway, the, the, um, so as a social 
ain't. I'm what's considered a um um a counter type. You got to follow that. Beatrice Chestnut, Doctor Chestnut talks about each each number has a counter type based on those instincts. So I don't on the surface I don't look like an eight. So my sister was like telling Joker yesterday. She's like, "Well, do I need to tell my friends that you're 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 a man?" And then my sister, and she called herself joking, but she was kind of serious, like, well, maybe you need to change your pronouns. It's like, what? What What about me do you think that that's I'm a woman? I'm okay with being a woman. There's no part of me that says, I don't, I'm, I'm having a hard time identifying as a woman. See, but you're, you're reducing womanhood to X. And I'm not that. You have a very small window of what it means to be a woman. No, don't tell your friends to treat me like a man. Tell them to be respectful and to understand. I said, the only thing that is the real challenge is because I could take care of myself, but I'm trying to be respectful of you. That's the tension. Because otherwise I would have drawn in. I would have gone in with those women. I would have more than likely I wouldn't have been there. But had. But I was there because those are my sister's friends. But my sister has asked me not to have conflict around her. So, what, and I, I told her, I said, what you're doing is asking me not to be myself. We're, I'm going to come back and have a conversation about some of the things I'm learning about my relationship with my sister and some of the, and how to have a healthier relationship with her. Because we have a, there's still some trauma bonds. I've, I've eliminated all of my trauma bonds. That's a, that's a bond that I have to re, Re, repurpose she's not going anywhere in terms of our relationship but I'm gonna have it can't be it can, I cannot be bonded to my sister based on trauma that cannot happen you understand what I'm saying so we're gonna have to rebond re, re, reroute that bonding and so she's asked me to not be a version of myself because she doesn't want me to have conflict around her friends oh I don't want to have the conflict around your friends either but I'm <laughs> So, but when they say things that are um, problematic, I'm gonna I'm gonna confront it. I might do it softly and intellectually, and like, well, I wonder why. And you know, I know how to do that. I've done it. But then people who are power wanna power hoard hoarders, not holders, power hoarders. When they want power and they don't want to share it, then they try to challenge you. And then when you think you're gonna challenge me, and you think you're gonna come across as intellectually superior. And then I'm getting ready to tell you, then you better really be intellectually superior because I'm getting ready to bring some research and some theories to just bust that, excuse me, that shit wide open and just let you know how incredibly wrong you are. You understand? <laughs> so anyway, so th- that was, ha- that stretching was happening at the restaurant, at the table. Then we went out and... It was just a number of things that she was doing. I don't, it was just a number of stretch. There were moments stretch. She was centering herself as an educator. And then she was centering herself, herself as superior. She's an administrator. Then I'm like, well, I had to tell her I'm an administrator. She didn't, she was looking to be superior. So she was, she tried to go to administration, administrator. Then when she connected with me, I, when she first met me, I had, I told her I had an administrative background, but I was in the classroom. It's that whole environment, that whole education world is about a hierarchy. So she was like, well, I'm an administrator. 
that I had to tell her I was an administrator. Then she was saying this, and then she had to say she was. Then she said, "Well, I've been around for thirty-one years. I've been around for thirty-one years." I said, "You know, I've been around for thirty-one years too." Actually, mine is not thirty-one. It's it's about thirty. And I said, "You know, oh." I didn't know that. And then my sister later said, I don't know why she didn't know it. She didn't know it because she wanted to be superior to that. And, and I know the work. So then I was like, so throughout, throughout the night, I started using terms in our, in our industry. And you could just, it threw her off, right? Because now I'm challenging you, but I did it. It was, a, it was a low key challenge. So I threw out something like, oh, restorative justice. Like, I just used concepts that she should know that's contrary to what she's saying about. So she's so fabulous. So let me give you an example. So she was like, um, condescending. So she made a comment about something she did, like with difficult kids, because she can handle difficult kids. I have, I'm, I have a relationship with difficult kids, but that's okay. The whole time, I'm not saying anything, y'all. I'm not saying anything. I'm trying to be respectful of my sister. And, oh my gosh. So then she said, and then she's like, and I can handle those kids. And I just let them know I'm from, she named the town. Let's say the town is called the Perp, um, Jackson. I'm from Jacksonville. That's not the name of the town, but I'm, and I was like, what does that mean? Oh, then she puts her hand on my shoulder. Honey, if you knew anything about that, you would know that that meant I'm tough. First of all, get your hand off my damn shoulder. Do you understand that? Get your hand off my shoulder. Calling me dear. What the hell is wrong with you, lady? <laughs> so, I'm <laughs> so I'm trying to be polite. To, I'm trying to respect my sister's wishes, right? It's getting difficult. So I was like, oh, then she's like, oh, because if you know, if you know where I grew up, that was a tough, that's a tough town. I said, oh, because I know neighborhoods and towns change every 20 years. So I was like, oh, you mean that the, the town that is tough now, it was like that when you were growing up? Well, not really, but they, the, the kids don't know that. The kids don't know that. So you're lying to them. You're presenting yourself as tough and you're lying. So I said, oh, so I said. Well, how Because she was like, and I can handle it. And I can handle She was talking about like she could fight. So I was like, no, these weird grown women. She's 55, by the way, 54, 55. So I was like, well, how many fights have you had? Have you ever fought? No. I said, oh, well, how do you know you can fight? I said, well, I have. <laughs> so, you know, so I was doing, I, by the end of the night, I started poking her like that. Like, because she was getting on my damn nerves. Yeah, I'm so sorry. So anyway, um, so anyway, I got to go. Um, so this was bothering her. Like, it, so this is the game we were playing. And then this is the tipping point. This is the pop. Somebody came around and, and asked us to give them a, to give a tip. First of all, you should never do that. And literally walked up to us and put the tip jar. And I was like. So, me being me, I started having a conversation around the tip. Like, let's talk about that tip 
something. And I didn't know it was the people, the person in the band that was doing it. That takes it to a whole nother level. I thought it was just somebody in the establishment that was walking around asking for people for tips. And um, so I started talking with him about the tips and I can't get into that now. And so the girl decides that she's going to explain to me about tips. And I, I went in. And when I went in, I didn't yell. But I started explaining her. I, st- I, used, I went in and explained. I said, you're an equity person. You pride yourself on being equitable. Because that's one of the things that she taught. You know, educators like to use that buzzword, equity. Because if you knew, if you were an equity person, you would know there are three things that you're doing right now that are wrong. Let me explain them to you. And that, she did not like that. And I said, second of all, I wasn't talking to you. You assumed to be superior and you made an assumption that I needed to be handled and explained. You coming from a place of superiority anyway. But as I start, this is my snap though. My snap wasn't loud, aggressive, but it was me no longer biting my tongue about her orientation to the world, to that matrix. And she got upset. And then she came back and said, well, I'm white. I'm like, I don't know what that means to say that you're white, but I I work with some white people who really do understand equity better than you. And you would never, and then she wanted me to teach her about her whiteness. That's another, that's another error for equity. That's another mistake. You will never, you should never ask a person of color if you're white to teach you about your whiteness. Why would she do that? And so I just was, I just, it was just, I'm honestly, I made her feel like the fool she was acting. And I know how to do that. Like I said, I don't have to act a plump fool. So it was just, I just got to a place, like I said, my snap wasn't loud. I, like, not like I did in the, you know, at the, at the nail shop. And I didn't yell, but I got very firm with the nail tech lady. I said, don't do it again. And I'm not playing. And so with this particular lady, I didn't do that. I just was like, I just was, I went very, very intellectual with her. And it was, and I, and I, I, I got down to her core. Her core is that she's at the end of the day, she's insecure. And I got to her area of insecurity and I was able to, that NI allowed me to see it and get to it. And so, um, and it, it ended up, it ended the night. Because then she walked away and she left. And she was upset. And then I and then I was sad because I don't want to do this with my sister because these are her people. And so that's the rubber band. That I'm only gonna stretch back so far. I'm only gonna stretch so far. I'm only I'm only gonna take I'm only gonna be social so far. And if social for me if social means that I have to subscribe to some of these unspoken, um, if you listen to the sale episode where you talk, I talk about the, the circuit of how we interact in the social world in a way that we're unconscious to. I'm conscious to some of the social norms, some of the scripts. I cannot do that. It's only going to, I'm not going to, I'm not that. It's just going to be so long. So I have to go, I am running late for, um, a meeting and I have to go and, um, so anyway, I gotta go. If this reflection, um, if this reflection has any value for you, please give it a heart. If the conversation about um, just the social world and responding 
to a lot of the unconscious assumptions we have about it. And being an eight, if this relates to a conversation you had in the world, please take this link and share with the participants. If my moving about is called some randomness and you, I'd love to hear it. You can find me on my website at yourandidom.wordpress.com, on Twitter, yourandidom1, Facebook, and YouTube, yourandidom. Let me give you your assignment. What is your rubber band? What is the what is the very thing that will make you not be you? You you practice like I'm not gonna I'm gonna pause I'm gonna pause I'm gonna pause I'm gonna pause. Boop! Can't pause anymore. What is your rubber band? Think about that. What is your rubber band? All right, you guys. It's been a pleasure hanging out with you. Until I come back, be well. Bye.